Welcome to the Founder Scale Sales Leadership Podcast, where we help business founders and sales leaders understand and overcome the challenges of building high-performing sales teams. Taylor, how's it going? Hey, Josh, good. How are you? Doing well. Ready for another round of podcasts? I'm ready, baby. Let's get into it. All right. So let's talk about sales. And, you know, the sales leadership topic of today is hiring salespeople. Mm. Um, wow. I, I might have said it before on other podcasts or this one, but, you know, in the early days, I spent and pr- I probably blew about $300,000 figuring out how not to hire salespeople. So I feel like I have. <laughs> yep. So many things to say that won't fit in under 30 minutes for this podcast, but let's start off with, you know, some general concepts like what are things that you've just run into and learned over the years around hiring salespeople? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of this comes down to, you know, when, when you and even before you hire them, like how to coach your HR into asking the right questions, because naturally you want to make sure that they're going to pass the initial organization sniff test before you want to talk about where to put them in specifically. Uh, but I think a lot of that comes down to the type of, you know, the type of individual they are in terms of a, you know, an introvert versus an extrovert. Are we going to hire them for inside versus outside? You know, do they have those general people skills? All the soft skills, in my opinion, are the most important part about hiring salespeople rather than figuring out what kind of skill set that they might have. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Well, let's start with that HR piece because I like that you went that far back, right? I mean, there's a lot of places we could have started, but yep. you know, even one HR person or or even if a, a founder or a sales, you know, a sales leader, sales manager acts as that hiring person, right? In, in some smaller yeah. companies, you know, what do we need to do from an HR level to filter out all of those applicants? So, I mean, if you post yep. an SDR role right now in Buckhead, Georgia. You know, we've done it for clients. We know you're going to get 200 applicants. So you really got to start the filtering process and know how do you filter salespeople just right out of the gate? It comes down to education, Josh. You're going to have to train that sales or that HR person as if they were another salesperson. I don't know about you, but some of the best interviews and exercises that we've had are when I put my sales folks in the interview process to interview their future peers and their future colleagues. So to, to, to so to think about you know having an HR person you know uh, you know be able to filter out someone that might be a good fit for sales inside and out. Well, they need to think in the mind of a salesperson. We need to make sure that they understand what it takes in order to be a salesperson for the organization. Now, now I do think that you need to draw a line a little bit there. Because the HR is going to be responsible for, as you know, doing like the regular old background checks and doing all the things that they need to do in order to make sure that they're, you know, performing and protecting the businesses, uh, the organization as well as they can. But when it comes down to taking it one step further, before it even gets to a potential sales manager, you're going to cut out a lot of the what I'll call, you know, non-candidates by getting your HR folks ready to or or trained up on what's going to make a good fit for your sales organization or not. And I think the way to do that, Josh, is to make sure that they sit in your sales training, that they sit in your, you know, what it takes in the life cycle of a sale, really get them familiar with with who your customers are, if you're, you know, in one specific vertical, so that they can ask some pretty, you know, you know, good, good questions during the process. 
Yeah, and I think you know we've we've trained people on this in the past, and one of the things we have is a set of culture questions that we ask, and there is also another layer of just sales culture questions, and there's ways that HR can filter people out, right? They can they can do an initial phone interview that has nothing to do with the sales role just to see if they're even a fit for the organization. So that saves a lot of time for the sales leader if HR can take it from 200 applicants down to the top 20 before they start sending people over. Well, it also gets your HR even more integrated in your organization too. I mean, at the end of the day, I think I don't want to get off topic here, but everybody in your organization's in sales, right? If you if you might be so in the organization in a recruitment point of view to say, I am the best organization for you to come work for. And so, you know, you don't want your HR necessarily to be a paper pusher or a candidate pusher. You want to give them some sort of recruitment, you know, capability to make sure that they're going to, you know, <clears throat> that they're going to make your job as easy as possible once you actually do get, you know, the five or six candidates that are true candidates instead of the 50 that come with just someone that's going to push paper and it's going to just make the hiring part of it just a total pain in the butt. Yeah, definitely. I like what you said about just the candidate pusher. I mean, we see that a lot where HR just gets them all and just moves them to the next person. It's like there's so much that can be done way before you bring in somebody for an interview or really spend time. So let's talk a little bit about what can be done on the upfront. What are the things that we look at? So I know one is I have a set of questions that I I think vet people out really well, especially okay. in sales roles. So do you have like a one favorite question where you would say in almost any sales role, the HR person can ask this, and maybe it doesn't vet somebody out immediately, but it allows you to compare across those hundreds of applicants. That's right. Yeah. Sell me this pen. I'll start there for the most part. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I do not. I do not do that one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I would say, again, my my real big thing here is there, there's, a, there's a phrase that we use a lot in sales, and it's, is he a get a beer guy? And the, and the and the thing is, is he somebody that you'd want to go get a beer with? Is he somebody that you want to go hang out with? Uh, and I think that's a really good lens and a really good filter to look through as a as you know as someone that's going to be involved in you know your sales organization. They have got to have those soft skills in order to carry conversations, to build relationships, to be likable, to be someone that has potentially got some influence. All those soft skills. I mean, all go into the character of the human being that we're going to be hiring. So if you were to ask me, would I rather have a pretty decent character with the most technically skilled mind in the world that's going to be able to speak the message, or would I rather have someone that's pretty good on the technical side, but an amazing character? Uh, I, I'm taking the character 10 out of 10 times. And what, so, so when I always go through with it, I always make my interviews much more conversational, where you're from, tell me about your family, you know, uh, those things. And then it, when it comes to experience, I ask them about their experience. Don't get me wrong. Some 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 jobs, look, on the sales side are going to be, you know, sales support, inside sales. You want to understand if they've got good discipline from following cadences and outbound things. But if you're truly hiring someone that's going to be in like account management, sales management, territory management, whatever it is, you really got to make sure they have those soft skills. So I always lean more on the conversational questions and kind of back and forth. What about you? Yeah. One of my favorite culture questions is what is your favorite hobby? 
Um, so I, like I find that most high performing, uh, a lot of, in a lot of cases, most high performing people in general in many roles, but especially in sales, um, have some sort of hobby where they're competitive or they've at least been competitive. So, yeah. and, and this is really for comparison's sake, right? I've gotten people that answered it and said, my favorite hobby is binge watching Netflix. And I'm like, look, we've all done it. We've all yeah. done it. But if that's your favorite hobby, that's not much of a producer, right? That's yeah. a consumer. Right. Whereas mm-hmm. I've gotten other applicants where it's, they said, you know, well, I play competitive tennis on the weekends. Well, how is that going to fit in when, how's that person going to fit when we're doing a competition, when we're putting up our, mm-hmm. our metrics, like we talked about in a past podcast, when we're putting those up on the screen and we want people to, to be competitive and perform, you know, the person who plays competitive tennis is probably has some discipline. They've stuck with it a long time. Yeah. You know, there's just a lot of uh, personality indicators that come out of a simple question like that. Not to yeah. say that you're not going to get outliers, but totally. again, when you get down to the bottom few candidates and you really have to compare and pick somebody, there's there's really key questions and indicators like what you talked about with the personality. I think you really hit something on the head there when when you just said a producer or a consumer. I think that's a really good hack that some of our listeners can take away. And during the hiring process, ask them questions that are going to maybe put them in one of those buckets, you know, or at least, you know, aim them towards one of those buckets. Like you said, someone that's going to sit around and binge watch. What's a good one? Game of Thrones or something like that. You know what I mean? And, and sit there for seven hours Well, they're consuming lots of content. They're consuming this and that. But uh, but someone that's going to go out there and produce like the tennis player that you mentioned, I think if if there's some people out there that could frame some of their hiring or some of their assessment questions really in those two buckets, I think that's a really good takeaway. I like that a lot. I think I'm going to use that actually. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we love those. And, um, you know, there's a lot of to me, there's a lot of culture questions just that just fit for the entire organization. We use those during hiring, but there are some that, that really uh, vet people out from a sales perspective. So another thing that you mentioned, kind of going back to the HR piece, is is the role. So mm-hmm. I've, I've seen questions. I think I saw one on Facebook actually the other day in one of the groups I'm in where somebody's like, should I hire this person or this person? And they just talked about their experience and their years of experience and this and that. And I'm like, man, so many more questions we should be asking. Yeah. One of the things I threw out for them was, what do you really want them to do? What type of salesperson is this? And I, this is probably a challenge with smaller organizations that have less salespeople than ones that, you know, organizations have 20 salespeople, but really writing a, a job description that tells them exactly what that role contains mm-hmm. will help mm-hmm. you pick the person because yeah, yeah. a job description for an account manager versus an SDR, totally different, totally different yep. needs, totally different personality types, like lots of impact on just who you attract with how you write yeah. that. Yeah, like a day in the life, right? Like, give give us an example of what a day in the life looks like from an ISR to a BDR to a GAM, lots of acronyms, right, in sales. <laughs> but I think that's a really good thing to, to bring up. And, and again, during the conversation, you know, whether you're going to frame your interview in the form of questions or conversations, you know, it, it's really important to talk about what a day in the life looks like. Because if you go through what a day in the life looks like for someone that you've already got in one of those positions, you immediately can start feeding off the energy that that individual individuals given back to you. You can immediately see them say, Oh, I don't know if that sounds good or wow, that sounds awesome. And as long as, you know, knock on wood, they're being genuine about their responses. Well, you might have a, 
you might be doing a little bit, you know, more, you know, more validation than you even meant to. So I think talking about a day in the life for the, the different roles are extremely important, you know, throughout the interview process. Yeah, I love that day in the life concept because each role has a different style. And and we've talked about it before again, like if you are an account manager and you're a you're hiring a tenured person, then it's mm. going to be really hard. It may be hard for them to do outbound. You know, they <laughs> yeah. haven't picked up yeah. the phone and 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 prospected in a long time. Yeah. Same thing with a with an SDR. Like if you want somebody that's going to pick up the phone 60 times a day, uh, then you need to hire that person. And that's if you right. put that in the job description, you will make sure that people who won't do that don't apply. And if you yep. say, hey, you're going to have to call 60 people a day, anybody who looks at that is like, no way, you know, then you don't have to waste your time interviewing. Exactly. Yeah, that's well said. I like, I, I like that. I think, and again, that kind of goes into really preparing your HR to recruit responsibly and accurately. And if they get a bunch of candidates in based on the job descriptions that you've put out there, you're not going to get any surprises when you walk in and say, all right, well, here's a day in the life. And if you tell them you make 60 calls a day or what have you, and they sit there and they get a little bit shocked by that, well, then clearly they didn't read the job description very well and they're probably out and it's that quick. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, and there's lots of ways to vet that out during the interview process, man. I mean, yeah. I've I've pulled out a script before. One of my favorite techniques, especially for an SDR, is say, hey, you got five minutes or 10 minutes to read this script, memorize it, and I'm going to come back and I'm going to call, you're going to call me, right? Oh, okay. And then, you know, if you want to take it one step <laughs> further, you just pick a random person in your database and have them call them, you know, some that prospect. And if they strong... will pick up the phone and do it, you've got your person. If yeah, they won't pick yeah. up the phone, they're not the one, you know, and wow. I've hired people that would just, they would do it. They would do it right there not even hesitate. And it's like, yeah. that's, that's the person right there. You know, that's I don't amazing. care if you screw it up. It doesn't matter. Like we got a database of 10,000 people here, call three. That's right. So let me ask you a little bit more on that. So let's say that that was the first interview and then you say, you know, thank you. We'll be in touch. When would you bring the individual back? How many times would you bring the individual back? How, how much effort do you do, do you or do you not put in to the process as it relates to more than one interview? So we kind of flip the script on that. We we do culture first hiring, which means we do a ton of vetting before we will even spend the time of bringing somebody in. And a lot of that is is automated to semi-automated. So an example is, is if anybody applies in our organization, they will automatically get four culture questions. It's an autoresponder. Okay. And what we found is if we get 100 applicants, only about 30% will even respond to those questions. Mm. So we get rid of 70 people wow. just by sending four questions. And then we vet those questions and more people fall out, right? Because the, the answers just aren't that good. So we have some processes where we automatically narrow people down. After that, we get into personality assessments. Yeah, so we have yeah. a lot of data on the actual personality of high-performing SDR versus a retail salesperson. Very yeah. different styles. Um, so with that data, we're actually able to narrow it down and say, well, you know, out of the 100 people that came in, here's 30 that you know, responded and maybe 15 of those were good. Well, well then we're going to go into a 15 minute assessment that they have to fill out and we can narrow it down even tighter from there because we just know, you know, again, certain personalities don't work long time, yeah. uh, long term. Yeah. So like we, we front load everything to where when we bring somebody in, it's most likely we only have to do one interview 
And then, you know, we have some techniques during the interview where we're vetting them as well. Um, another one's the phone screen. You know, we do a 15 minute phone screen. Yep. And again, we're just, we're vetting people, not even on the role at that point, we're vetting them on, on the fit. So my favorite, one of my favorite questions from the phone interview is, you know, did you take a look at our website? And they say, yes. Well, the follow-up question is, all right, well, from your perspective, tell us what we do. What do we do best? Right. right. And, and what I, and what we get, like I had one literally with, with our HR person and she goes, I asked the follow-up question. And the next thing I heard was click yeah, because they just lied. Yeah. They didn't even That's look right. at our website. It's yeah. not a good fit for us. So yeah. we find that just on fit alone, we can filter out most people and then we bring them in for the interview. And then we get into a lot of the, the skills and, and other things that we want, because we want to hire people that are a fit that can learn what we do and how yeah. we do it and the way that we do it. Not necessarily the person who, you know, claims to have 20 years of experience that's and is right. going to open up that's their right. Rolodex because we haven't found that that's ever worked for us. Yep, that's right. I, I completely agree with that. And, and that's really why we focus heavily on those culture, those characteristic, those soft skills, because I truly believe that, you know, at least I hope a lot of the folks in the on, you know, on, on the uh, podcast, on the listening side can agree with us here is you want somebody that you can mold into your organization that's going to be a prime fit for a long term position at your organization. You know, you come, you, you hire someone that's had 40 years, 50 years of experience in corporate enterprise. And, you know, you expect them to fit into this small boutique startup, you know, uh, that, that's, that, that's a plane being built as it's flying. Well, then you might, you might not have the right guy or girl. So I, I agree that it, that it's really important to, to have someone that is, that is willing to mold and to build into your organization. And those things, those things can be taught. Those things can be trained on and educated on. The market can, can you know, uh, can, can influence some of the, the learning and the, and the capabilities that these guys will, and guys, guys and girls will develop. But man, it is really, really tough to, to, to teach those soft skills. It's really tough to teach someone to have to have good energy, to have positive energy, to have respect and kindness, to have courteous and just general, you know, likability traits. Uh, it's really tough to do that. And, and honestly, you mentioned it earlier, we didn't touch on it too deeply, but that's one of the reasons I so firmly believe in some of those personality assessments during the interview process. Uh, you know, the one that we typically, you know, lean on is, uh, either the Myers-Briggs or the Enneagram. Those are to my two favorites. Um, uh, and, and again, the reason I like those, those, those a lot is not just because it puts an individual in a pretty accurate, you know, uh, number or section, but it also has a lot of education to the sales manager, what to expect when those individuals get stressed, get happy, get sad and whatnot. And so you at the, and you immediately as a sales manager, have got a little bit of insight on what to expect down the road where you've got things like stress and sadness and happiness that are absolutely side effects of sales so that you can have some, you know, some accountability on your side too, that says, well, well, I, I knew that was coming because this is, this is, and not to say that they are a hundred percent accurate every single time, but for the most part, it gives you some guidance on what to expect. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you hit on it with the the coaching process. You can read one of those and know how you can coach somebody. What are the next steps to coach exactly. them? Um, yep. And they are, they're actually statistically, you know, there's studies that show that they're statistically more accurate than gut, right? So, yes. you know, you have your hiring, your gut instinct on hiring, 
And then you have people who have done assessments and, and other things. And, and assessments don't just have to be Myers-Briggs and DISC. I mean, I know I've implemented and trained people and rolled out CRM systems for over a decade. And I remember walking into one training and telling people, okay, you know, you need to go to the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store and go, find, you know, type this in and find this app mm-hmm. and install it. And I had somebody that held up their cell phone and was like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, and so this day and age to me, you know, there's some assessments around can they use the technology you're going to be rolling out, you know, and and then again, depends on the role. But if you're an SDR and you're using HubSpot sequences and and you live in it, you're living in tools that help you amplify the the amount of work you get done a day or like it's really an add on and an enhancement, not just a data logging tool. You know, you got to have a person who can use. The technology, whereas, yep. you know, if the role is the power networker and, you know, they go out and network all day, maybe it's not as big of a deal. So yeah. you really have to know those strengths. I think that's a really good point. The one the one of the big value adds of the individuals that we bring in is when they say that they've got experience in our tools of technology. You know what I mean? That that's a that's a legitimate value add. They don't have to necessarily know everything about our industry and products and you know exactly what we're selling and to who we're selling. We can coach and train into that, but to have some some inherent knowledge of the tools and technologies because people forget when they bring on an individual that is an enormous part of the onboarding process is to get them familiar with your, you know, ERP systems and your CRMs and like your prospectings and, and all those different things. That takes weeks and weeks to train on. So if they've got any sort of familiar, you know, uh, you know, experience behind that, that's that that's, in my opinion, a really good value add. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, and that's one of the things I like about. You know, companies, organizations we work with that that are adopting one of the top three to five CRM systems is if you do hire a salesperson from another organization, it's highly likely they've already used it. You know, they already yeah. know it or get it. Whereas, you know, you get some of these obscure systems and they don't have certain features they're used to. You know, you have to retrain them. There's a lot of benefit to staying in those those top three to five solutions for sure. And that carryover. Yeah, I agree, man. I agree. So it sounds like you and I are on the same page with character over circumstance, meaning that we would hire more based on the individual's soft skills, their their general likability, you know, uh, you know, amongst other things, their ability to communicate and whatnot. Then we would, you know, having someone that's got 50 years of sales experience working in all these different verticals and products and this and that. Uh, again, I, I think it's very important that it, that experience gets brought into the conversation, especially with how, you know, you know, usually if you're going to if you need to hire someone quickly, that's when experience becomes a little bit more important because uh, to kind of speed up the process and you might be trying to fill a gap. Uh, but when it comes to something very proactive where you're trying to build an organization, build a sales organization, I think you and I are pretty aligned in the fact that you want that individual to have some really, really good soft skills. Um that you think the character outweighs the circumstance. Yeah, definitely. I always say too many people hire on skill, but fire on culture. They hire because that Mm. person checked all the skills boxes on the resume, but then they found out they're not punctual. They can't follow up. They don't have the work ethic, too much baggage, right? They, they fire on culture items. And instead, if you just flip the script and discover those early on, you'll know whether you should hire them in the first place. And, And really what you want is both. Right. The the optimal hire is experience, skills, culture match, you know, pull in the trifecta. 
that's the perfect person. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, and my, and my, one of my favorite parts about that is when you, now, depending on if the sales manager is also the, the, you know, the, the individual that, that hires, um, like in our organizations, for instance, we have, you know, pretty much a group effort when it comes to hiring the individual. But when we were to, when we were to hire an individual and then put them with the sales manager, if we know from the get go, that individual is extremely likable, that the customers are going to, you know, really enjoy working with him or her. If they've got the amazing soft skills, if their energy is good, if their drive and their passion is good, well, then it's going to be, there, there's a lot of accountability back in the sales manager to make sure that their training gets accelerated and the ramp up time is, is within, you know, within the parameter at which we hired him for. So I, I like the mutual accountability there, especially when we're going to the hiring process, that it's not just on the individual to get up and perform as soon as possible. We want to prepare the sales manager by getting the best possible individual in that seat so that the ramp up time can be a whole lot quicker and they can align with each other in a, in a much more, you know, uh, quick fashion. Yeah, I definitely think there's lots of techniques to onboarding salespeople the right way and versus the wrong way, you know, throwing them in the pit and letting them go and then wondering why they don't succeed. Um, yeah. So, you know, we highlighted, you know, all about hiring salespeople, some of our favorite questions and, and filtering mm-hmm. techniques, a little bit about assessments, their background, you know, matching the roles. Uh, anything else you think we left out? I think we set everybody up to have the best experience in the hiring process they can possibly have, Josh. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And if we miss anything, we'll come back on another podcast and, and add to it. So that's right. That's great, right. Uh, great being on this one. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Chat soon, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Founder Scale Sales Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed this content, please subscribe and give us five stars on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening platform.